I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? I can see it in your eyes. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What truth? You say you that you are a slave, Neo. Trying to understand this! 20-year-olds fall in and out of love more often than they change their oil filters, which they should do more often. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. You have to let it all go, Neil. Fear, doubt, disbelief. Free your mind. It doesn't matter who we are. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. How do you define real? You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. After this, there is no turning back. Are we clear? Crystal. We are back after a small, short hiatus. The absence lately is due to some computer problems that I've been having. I just had some software issues I record on Audacity. I was having issues with something on the program, and then I was having issues with the podcast website with Podbean, which is where we host the podcast, and it just turned into a nightmare. Through Take all that combined with a busy schedule, and it's just been a pain in the ass to get back to doing this. I never wanted to make this a monthly or once-a-month podcast, I always wanted it to be a weekly podcast, so I apologize for the recent silence, and hopefully we can roll back into it. This week, uh, I want to talk about a couple different things. One of the things that I want to talk to you about is uh, being second best, and something that I thought more of recently, talking to some of my friends looking at other people's relationships, looking at how people treat each other, a couple of personal experiences that I've had myself, but primarily just observations that I've seen out, out in the world. And I've been single for about three years, and one thing that I've learned, that especially recently, is that you don't want to settle. You really don't want to. And when my I first separated from my wife, the, the one of the first difficulties I had was how to figure out how to be alone. So I was so used to being in a relationship. I was with her since high school, so I had never really been alone as, a, as an adult. I had never done that before, so I didn't know, didn't know what to do, didn't know how to be alone. So I started clinging to anything and everything that I could trying to find something and make something work to try to fill that void that I had suddenly experienced. So that led to a couple different situations where I was some of the second best, or backburner. And what I mean by that is where you're, you're kind of doing someone or you're talking to someone, but it's very clear that you're not super high on their priorities list. But because I had a void in my life, 
place them on a pedestal, and they'd be number one. They would be the most important thing to me, but I clearly wasn't the most important thing to them. So you look at the situation, two people dating, and you can guess how that, how that ends up when one person is completely and totally, basically in love with this other person, and the other one is kind of like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll try to see you once a week, I'll try to maybe text you once or twice a day, see how you're doing, if that, and see how it goes. We'll make plans for a week now to go out for an hour, go to dinner or something. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll make plans again for a week or two or three weeks down down the line. Because I would be like, I would, I'm going to dedicate this entire night to this person. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to make sure I'm available. I'm going to try to do as much with them as I can. And then I want to text them when I get home. I want to talk to them right away the next day. I want to make plans with them in the next day or day or two. Because they're super important to me. But here's here's what's important to realize is that it's not even that that person is important to me. It's that having someone, the concept of having someone is what's important. The idea of not having to be alone. Because I haven't been alone, so I don't know how to do that. In an relation to, it's actually that other person that I described that's more in line with them, what we expected in, in a new relationship or even relationship, but just a new, uh, and I don't even know what to call it, where you're talking to someone, will drop you at an instant just because you met this person and you're talking to them. What I was saying about second best, what ends up happening is that person is probably dating people at a time. If it's That's not A lot of people don't want to admit you first, you may be talking to two, three, four people at the, at the same time. Figure out maybe which one you mesh with most. You might go out on one night dinner with this person, then a couple days later you'll go out with somebody else. You're not in a relationship with any of them. It's not like you're cheating on any of them. But that's kind of normal. That's that's normal. You can't dedicate all your time to just once, like... Uh, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket type of thing. That's kind of the idea. At least until you go out with, with one a couple times and you can see, okay, there might be some potential here or whatever. But what you want to avoid is is that second best. There's no consolation prize with dating. In the last couple of weeks since I talked to you last time, which, Jesus Christ, that was a long ago actually, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was maybe five weeks since I've put out an episode. That kind of pisses me off, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. Probably lost some of our listeners thinking that we disappeared, huh? Well, we're still here. Look us up on Facebook, Third Degree Mind. We're on the iTunes store, also Third Degree Mind. You can look us up on Podbean. That's where podcast is actually hosted on Podbean, but you can find it in those other places as well. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook. That's where all the news is. I made a couple posts over the last couple weeks on Facebook just letting people know that we're still here. It's just kind of, uh, you know, we've had these technical problems and that's why we've kind of been gone. But over the last five weeks, 
one of the things that I've experienced several times, actually, is the second best concept. The being the second best person. Being the second, the number two, or number three priority in someone's life. So, I want, what I said, what I said originally here about uh, realizing that whoever you're talking to is probably talking to people, and you may not be that person's number one, but as soon as clear, as soon as it's clear that you're not their priority, and they're trying to make something with someone else, then you need to leave. You need to, like I said, there's no consolation prize with dating. Unless you're in a polygamous society where one person can marry multiple people, you that TV show, Wives. The one dude marries, like, people and somehow gets all of them to love him. I don't know what goes through those women's minds and why they don't want to be one. Because clearly, all four of them are not number one. He might never tell them who number one is. Who knows? He probably tells all four of them that they're that she's his favorite. But who wants to be in that position? Ask yourself if you want to be in that situation where you're with someone who's with multiple other people and trying to be at a committed level with all of those four, five, six, however many people are there. You want to and so originally I created Third Degree Mind as not so much the self-help podcast, but I, I can think that that's kind of the direction it's gone over the last uh, over the last couple episodes, which is fine. I also I always want to tie in uh, mental health aspects and I want to talk about uh, m- well my own issues of borderline personality disorder like I've talked about before. One of the things, that goes on with someone who has borderline personality disorder is they don't rank things, okay? It's very black and white mentality. And when I say that, what I mean is everything is either really, really good, really, really bad. There's not a whole lot of gray area in the middle. I don't have all days. I don't have neural moods. I'm either top of the world, top of the world, or not. Or, I'm like miserably depressed. There really isn't a whole lot of gray area in between. And that's how someone with BPD looks at everything. When I look at people, either this is the greatest person on earth, or like they belong in hell and are terrible. Either love or hate. And that's how I feel. But because I'm aware of what BPD does in mind, I can bait out on the outside so people that I deal with don't see that. There's plenty of times that someone will upset me that's a really important person to me. They'll upset me in one way or another. I'll feel like I hate them and I just I want them to just drop dead right there because that's how it, it makes you feel. But I know how to counteract it on the outside so that that person doesn't see that side, if that makes sense. That's part of the awareness of knowing what your certain mental illness does to you. You understand what it does, so you understand how to handle it. At least, the inner struggle is never going to go away. But on the side, you can, you can present yourself to be however you want to, if that makes sense. So going back to this idea of, so I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. This idea of being second best, when someone, when I 
someone that I'm interested in, and it's clear to me that I'm second best, there is no second best. There's the winner and the loser. So everybody, except for the winner, is equally a loser. So someone makes me second best, what they've done is they've just me at the same level as Hitler. So, because I look at the world like that, I have to be consciously aware of the fact that people may not look at the world that same way. However, it makes me feel like they are looking at the world that way. I don't know if I'm going to make any sense whatsoever. So let me see if I can try to make the second best gets a little clearer. And the reason I'm telling this is because I think the BPD aspects of how I react to these situations can be beneficial to someone without BPD. Because there's some people out there that are like, you know, if I'm if I'm second best in, in her mind, I can keep trying and keep trying to show her that I'm actually maybe see that way. And that I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. So I won't look at the situation of BPD right here. How I look at situations, I think this is actually advantageous who doesn't have BP. Because if you hold this to you guys and you won't sell, I don't want you to sell. I met someone online a while ago, and I outside of that I have tons of online friends on Facebook, Instagram. I just I have buddy. I don't really care. I'm not one of the only ads people that I know in person. I just don't. I add people on Facebook from all over the world. I talk to people that I've never met. That's just who I am. I'm injured it's easy to talk to people like online so like i make friends on facebook follow their timeline they talk they'll talk to me i'll talk to them whatever you know i'm one of these that only does facebook for staying in contact with people that i know i think that's dumb honestly because my my friends in person i see in person i don't need facebook for people but i use social media for uh social people that i wouldn't otherwise meet in friend on Facebook that lives in Canada, about uh, roughly a 20-hour drive from where, where I'm in Las Vegas. I was talking to her a little bit um, over the last month or so, give or take. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'll just throw that here. I'm not going to do the long-distance relationship. Like, that's not where I'm trying to go with the story at all. All right, I'm not a long relationship kind of person for a number of reasons. I said, just I use Facebook for people that I there was meet. 2,200 friends on Facebook like that. And I don't, I, mean, I don't talk to them, but I like logging Facebook, just a bunch of different posts from people. people. I don't really care. That's, that's what I use for. So a month ago, I was talking to this girl who lives in Canada. And she ends up, she says that she likes coming to this she times, you know, whatever. And, uh, she was looking at coming to Vegas sometime in April, May. We started talking about you know, it's awesome. If you do, we should definitely meet up. And I've done this before, like uh, where I've um, talked to someone online for a little bit, and then I'll go on vacation. Like um, a couple months ago, I went to New York, just kind of by myself, hanging out, and met up with somebody in New York that I had met online. Just they happened to live there, and I live here, but I was going there, so we met up and had a drink. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Uh, going on another other trip uh days here out of california and i'm going to meet people in california i've met before i talked a lot this girl's coming from canada to Vegas. 
and she plans the trip. She tells she's going to be here from Sunday to Friday. All right, today today's Thursday. So she's here now. Tells me she's going to be here from Sunday to Friday. And I said I said, "Okay, well, we'll have to hang out. Work I work Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then I have my daughter on the other days." All right, I have my daughter generally Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Friday. I have a babysitter for her when I go to work. So the time for me to do something with you, you're going to be on the strip. So the easiest way for me to get down there, it's not close to my house. It's about a 40, 45 minute drive down there without traffic. Add traffic, push. it's pushing an hour. So it's not close. So I'm like, the easiest time for me to get down would be when I get off work, which granted, the middle of the night, it's like midnight, 1 a.m. I can come down there, get a drink. And it's Vegas, so I'm assuming you'll be up, and there's a lot of night stuff. So I'm assuming you'll be up, and I know you're a night owl anyways, because we always talk to each other at night. So Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday after work would be the best times, because once I'm off work for my off days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I have my daughter, and I don't have a babysitter on those days because I'm home. And I'm going to bring my daughter down to the strip while I drink with someone I've never met. I'm just cool with it. That's, that's dumb. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to pay for it because I'm broke. I'm not going to try for a babysitter need just to meet someone. Like, I've told you I'm available. If you can, you can. And if you can't, you can't. It is what it is. <coughs> so, um, she drives down here from Canada. She screws up on she leaving. She just fucks shit up all around on when she leaves Canada. And she doesn't get here Sunday like, like she's supposed to. She doesn't get here in 8 Tuesday night, like 10 p.m. So she's too late already. And so I'm messaging she's driving, and I'm like, well, you know, if you hang out Tuesday night, this might be the last chance that I'm really available. Because like I said, you can only hang out on Monday and Tuesday. So if you want to, let me know. When I get up, we'll hang out. She ends up being super tired from the drive, doesn't want anything Tuesday night, which is understandable. No fault of her, other than the fact that it pissed poor playing. It's not her fault that she just drove 20 hours and now she's tired. Obviously... She's tired after that drive. Faulting for that at all. Moves on. We end up not hanging out that night. Well, uh, there's more to it that she's flaky and she doesn't want to say yes or no. And she's like, you know what? Let me take a nap. Call me at 2 a.m. or 2.30 a.m. And let's see. And now I'm thinking, well, Jesus, that's kind of late. I don't wait up for you until 2.30 and then call you. And then if you hang out, I'll drive down there. So I won't even get down there until after 3.00. 3, maybe even 3.30. Then we drink till 4, 4.30, and then I come home just now it's like 5, maybe even 6 o'clock in the morning by the time I get to bed. Like, shit, I don't know if I want to do that. But I figure, hey, why not? I'll, I'll wait and see. So I wake up. Well, she is passed out at 2, 2.30. She doesn't wake up. So I end up just going to bed. Whatever. Fuck it. So I go to bed thinking, well, whatever. I guess I'm just not going to see her. Moves on. Moves into Wednesday. We get into a little mini argument on texting, you know, over whose fault it was and stuff. And she's just saying how she was tired and she drove a long ways, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know I understand that. The only reason I'm upset is because we're supposed to be here two days ago. So that issue, because I told you like a month ago that I wouldn't be available on these days. And I'm probably just not going to see you and whatever. She's mad that she's not going to see me and that I'm not available other days. Then, then she goes off the deep end. Holy fuck. Like I said, this was nothing crazy. I'm not looking at a long-term relationship. I wasn't looking at anything except drink with her because we have talked for a while and I enjoy talking to her. That's literally it. 
So, um, <laughs> so then, so when we're talking yesterday, which is Wednesday, she's going on and on how I, she can't believe that I'm not going to make time to see her when she drove all the way here to see me. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, pump those brakes for a second. You didn't come here to see me. You came here because you said you like Vegas and you were already planning on coming here. And it just happens that I just so happened to live here and we were going to try to hang out. That doesn't mean you were coming here to see me. And then she's just like, oh, you know, if you didn't figure that out, you know, you you should have known the way that we talk that I'm coming here to see you and hang out with you. And I wanted to spend time with you and blah, blah, blah. And I really like you. And then it was like starting to get weird because this was not someone that I was really interested in like that. Like I said, I'm not looking at long relationships. I'm purely, this was purely just because I enjoyed talking to her. And we were just friends, like. And so then I just started getting super, super fucking weird. Started moving on. Now come to today, Thursday. I actually had something going on this morning that required a babysitter. It, it was work-related. Work so I told her, hey, if you want to hang out Tuesday morning, you know, I have this quick meeting for work that I have to do. But because I have a babysitter already for that, I could just swing down by you and we could hang out for a bit, get breakfast, get lunch, you know, depending on what time it is. And, and at least we'd still get to hang out for a bit before you leave. And she's like, OK, well, this was early in the morning. This was uh, I mean, not early, but neither me or her are really morning people. We both work nights, you know, so eight o'clock in the morning is, is early for both of us. Even my two year old, my my two year old is even not a morning person. And people think this is hilarious because most little kids wake up super, super early at the crack of dawn. Not mine. Mine sleeps in until about 10 a.m. every day. Uh, she, you know, she stays up with me at, in the evening and goes to bed, you know, 10 or 11. And then she gets up at 10 a.m. Some people criticize my parenting skills for that. But you know what? That's how my schedule is. So kids are adaptable. Why does my kid need to go to bed at 6, 6, 7 p.m. just to get up at 5 a.m. when I just went to bed at 3 a.m. That doesn't make any sense. So whatever, neither here nor there. But um, so I told her, I said, hey, I have this meeting at, you know, uh, 9 o'clock. I'm taking my daughter to the babysitter at 8 o'clock. Uh, and then maybe somewhere around there uh, after my meeting is over, it's for maybe from 9 to 9.30, 9.45, something like that then we can hang out after that. And she's like, okay, sounds good. Well, then last night I said, you know, I'm getting ready to go to bed and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to bed. Cause you know, I got an early morning tomorrow. And she's like, oh yeah. Um, Lord knows I won't be up early or something. And I was like, oh no. And she's like, no, nah, I'm not a morning person. And I thought you weren't either. And I was like, well, I'm not, but I have this thing that I have to do. And so I don't have a choice. Plus I thought we were going to hang out. And she's like, no, nah, I probably won't be up, but I'll let you know if I am. And I was like, what the hell? That's kind of dumb. I thought we had this planned, but whatever. So go to bed. I get up this morning and I find out this morning that I actually don't have the work thing. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like it got canceled. It got rescheduled to next week or something like that. So I was like, oh, shit. So I still had the babysitter. So I quick texted her and I was like, um... Uh, wait, sorry, I'm mixing up the order of these events. So I find out the event wasn't going, and so I was like, okay, well, let me see if she's still available or whatever, or if she wants to hang out, if she's up or whatever, because, 
I have the babysitter anyways. So I texted her and I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm taking my daughter to the babysitter in a little bit, but I don't have a work thing. So are you up? I don't get a response. Well, because I don't get a response and I don't have the work thing anymore, I'm like, well, fuck it. I don't, I don't need the babysitter anymore. So I told the babysitter, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm really sorry, but this is what happens. So I actually don't need you to babysit this morning. And she's like, okay. So now I'm, I'm hanging out with my daughter this morning. And lo and behold, then she gets up. And then she's mad at me that I canceled on her when we had quote unquote plans. And I'm like, we didn't have, after last night, we didn't have plans. You prioritized sleep over me twice since you've been here. Which I get it. If you're tired, you're tired. But I'll tell you what, if I'm, no matter how tired I am, if I drive, she claims that she came here to see me, which obviously is not the case. Because if I drove 20 hours to see someone, and the only time they were available was, say, 4 a.m., I would set, like, 52 alarms. I would have a a five-hour energy or coffee or a monster, something like that, and I would just slam those things left and right to wake up. I don't give a shit about my health at that point. If I drove that far to see someone, and then I found out that that was the only time they were available, I would fucking make it happen. Because I would prioritize that person. That That's... That's how I think it should work. Not that I'm saying that that's right. I'm just saying if that was the situation I was in. I don't think it's right to drive 20 hours to see someone that you've never met. I, I don't agree with that. Of course, I say I don't agree with it, and yet I've done that, but whatever. Um, But yeah. So clearly, I'm not super high priority for this girl based on based on these actions you know she she can say you know I came here to see you whatever but I I think that's just a way for her to try to guilt trip me into being available when she wants me to be available which isn't really an option when you're a single parent especially to a toddler that's just really not an option so instead I went and picked up some Starbucks sitting here drinking my Starbucks and uh, talking to all of you. So second best. Don't don't be that second best. Another story. Uh, kind of, no, not really on the same lines, but talking to one of my friends, and she recently went through a separation and divorce from her husband. And so knowing that I had also recently been through that a couple years ago. she And she's moving out of the house right now. So she's packing a couple nights ago. She's packing her stuff up to move out. And, and she texts me and she asks, uh, when do you start feeling shitty about the divorce? Or when does it stop bothering you? I think that's, I think that's how she worded it. When does it stop bothering you? I've been divorced three years, eh, or first split three years ago. Uh, almost three and a half now. Shit, time is flying. And so she says, when, when do you, when, when does it stop bothering you? How long does it take? And, and I said, I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. I'll let you know because in the three years since I split from my ex-wife, I'm 
not comfortable with the way things ended. I'm not uh, satisfied or I'm not... I don't even know how to describe it because I can say that I'm at peace over it or that I'm over it, which I believe I am. I believe I am past it or over it or however you want to say it, but I'm never going to be okay with it. Obviously, I'm the one that pulled the pin on the marriage, so I'm the one that made the decision. I can't fault her for that, so to speak, because I'm the one that gave up on trying to fix it. But that doesn't mean that I'm... Obviously, I wanted... I'm trying to figure out how I'm trying to say this. Obviously, I wanted the divorce because that's why I did it. All right? I wanted the marriage to end, which is why I pulled the pin and I stopped trying to work it out. I wanted it to end. So when someone says, oh, I'm sorry, you're divorced, my answer usually is, well, I'm not sorry. I'm the one that made the decision. You know, don't, don't feel sorry for me because I'm divorced. I'm the one that made that choice. I'm happy about that. But what I'm not happy with or okay with is the fact that now, now I'm alone. I don't have the picture-perfect family that I envisioned. I don't have, you know, how much better would it be if I got along with her mom to the point that we were still married, my daughter's mom to the point that we were still married and all living under the same roof? I'd get to see my daughter every day. I see her the majority of the week as it is, but being able to see her every day, kiss her goodnight every night, come home from work, uh, I, I work till, like I said, about midnight, one o'clock, come home from work and go kiss her on the cheek when she's sleeping. I don't get to do that very often, if ever. I'd love to do that. So it's not that I wish I was still married to her or that I'm still not over her or I'm still in love with her or any of those things because that's not it at all. But of course I wish I had that picture-perfect uh, that, that picture-perfect family, that picture-perfect life. But I don't. None of us do. You work so hard planning your life out and trying to figure out how things are going to fall into place and when things are going to fall into place. I want to be married by 22. I want to have a kid by 24. I want to have a house by 25. I want to have the perfect job by 26. All this stuff, all these plans that you make, and then all of a sudden shit hits the fan, you get divorced, you lose your job, maybe you lose your kids in a custody battle, maybe you end up moving across the country unexpectedly, like I did. Now you have to sell a house that you thought you were going to grow old in. Then a year later, you separate from the wife you thought you were going to grow old with. Now you're trading your kid back and forth when you thought that you'd all be together and you'd all be happy. I have a job that I never expected to have. Planning your future and forgetting about your present is pointless because it never works out the way that you plan it to work out. 
After I lived through all of that, I decided I needed to stop making those types of plans. I still plan, like, you know, like I was talking about with the story with, with the Canada, Canada girl before. I still plan things like, hey, let's get lunch tomorrow. Or, hey, I need a, I'm going to have a babysitter. Let's do this. Let's do that. Or if someone says, hey, let's go out to the bar, I have to say, no, I can't because I don't have a babysitter. Or whatever. So little things in life get planned. But you can't plan for the big things. Someone asked me a little while ago where I plan to go in my career. Do I plan on promoting? Do I plan on, you know, being a supervisor? Do I plan on transferring to a similar position? Or do I, different office or different, whatever. People, and and my answer is, you know what? I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now. I don't know, maybe a year from now, I'll decide I want to try to, try to promote or try to, you know, advance my career in a different direction or something. But for right now, I'm pretty happy where I am. Isn't that a good answer? Like I said, we live our life making these plans. And then for what? Planning for retirement, planning for the end of your life, and then all of a sudden, your life's over? I was told once that worrying about the future creates a lot of anxiety Worrying about the past creates a lot of regret. So don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the past. And worry about the moment that you're in right now. You have to live in the present. One of the best therapists that I ever had uh, directed me to an author named Eckhart Tolle. And he was this guy that was very, very depressed in the early parts of his life. And then all of a sudden he had what he described as as an awakening. And he suddenly was happy and he, he became an author and a speaker. And he speaks about uh, uh, these, the, these internal transformations. And he's he has a lot of good quotes and things like that. He says, Eckhart Tolle says, Realize deeply that the present moment is all you have. The present moment is all you have. The future is not guaranteed. And the past is done with. You can't change it. The past is over with. As much as I want to say, well, maybe I wish I had done this differently in my marriage or that differently in my marriage, or maybe I wish I never got married at all or never stayed with this woman at all or got divorced earlier, whatever. Those decisions are made. The past is gone. And the future is not guaranteed. I might talk about, oh yeah, I want I might work my ass off trying to get that promotion or career advancement. And then next thing I know, my company shuts down and I don't have a job. I get laid off. Tomorrow is not a guarantee, folks. It's not. Take Eckhart Tolle's words to heart. Realize deeply that the present moment is all you have. Most people treat the present moment as if it were an obstacle that they need to overcome. Since the present moment is life itself, it is an insane way to live. That's another quote from Eckhart Tolle. Most people treat the present moment as if it were an obstacle that they need to overcome. But since the present moment is life itself, that is an insane way to live. 
Eckhart Tolle is not an idiot. I have one more quote from him that I want to read to you. The more you live in the present moment, the more the fear of death disappears. Live in the present moment, and the fear of death disappears. Do you agree with that? I want you to think about that. I have something, uh, there's a, a, a guy that's a, a social media sensation in the last couple months. Uh, he's been around for over a year, but I'm starting to see more and more of his content, and he's gaining popularity left and right in the social media and YouTube world with his videos and his inspirational speaking. His name is Jay Shetty. I'm sure you've heard of him. There's one video that I heard this week that really applies to this concept of living in the present, and I want to play I want to play it for you. It's a couple minutes long. I think you'll enjoy it. Listen carefully to these words because this guy really knows what he's talking about, and th- this guy is a great speaker. He's got an awesome message. Check this out. When asked what surprised him most about humanity, the Dalai Lama answered, we sacrifice our health in order to make wealth. Then we sacrifice our wealth in order to get back our health. We're so anxious about what will happen in the future that we don't enjoy the present. The result being, we don't live in the present or the future. We end up living feeling like we're never going to die and then die never having truly lived. Ellen Goodman said normal is getting dressed in clothes that you buy for work and driving through traffic in a car that you're still paying for in order to get to the job that you need to pay for the clothes and car and the home that's empty all day just so you can afford to live in it. We live in a world where daydreams are more common than dream jobs, where money clouds our search for meaning in search for profit. We sacrifice our quest for purpose and in the pursuit of those paychecks, we give up our passions. We're completely rooted to our routines. We're plagued by indecision and lack of vision. They say that the most powerful prison is one when you don't even know that you're locked up. See, the suits are our uniforms, our cufflinks are the handcuffs, our ties are the chains, our boss is like the guard and well, our cubicles are our cells. And now I know why they call it the glass ceiling, because it shatters our dreams. The only thing we excel at is Microsoft. Now that's a PowerPoint. You know what it's like. We spend the whole day trying to get our work on time, but then spend all of our time thinking about work. We wish our out of office could be permanent. We wish that our inbox would always remain empty. Our LinkedIn resumes are more interesting than our actual jobs. Our profile pictures are the happiest we've been in a long time. We live for the weekend, but then end up feeling weak, clockwork and monotony. But honestly, could Mondays be more meaningful? Could Tuesdays be less torture? Could Wednesdays be more worth it? Could Thursdays be more transformative? Could Fridays be more fulfilling? We count down the next 50 weeks knowing that there's another 50 years. We count down for the next escape knowing that there really isn't one. Because even when we're away from our desks, our minds are still there with the checklists in our heads. We stuff ourselves into our work clothes, then our buses, then the cars, then the trains, and then our offices, only to wait five days to live again. And we don't have time to eat dinner together, so we end up eating out of takeaway boxes, not realizing that the TV box takes away from our relationships. 
we eat on the go, meet on the go, we even sleep on the go and then wonder why everyone cheats on the go. We're told it's normal to have a nine to five. I mean, actually, sorry, it's a nine to nine. And it's fine if you don't get enough time with the person you love it took you so long to find. It's normal to work late nights for that next holiday. We work 11 months in a row for one month of leave with pay. Hey, who came up with that? It's not normal, we have to reclaim our lives because right now we can all barely survive and because when he comes late home from work, she says, you work so hard for a job that would replace you tomorrow if you drop dead. And he says, I don't have time for this right now. And then she says, nothing ever changes. We force ourselves out of bed to live the same day again and again and call it a life. Imagine this for a moment. What if Oprah listened to her haters and doubters? What if Steve Jobs settled for a real job? What if The Rock never broke through depression? What if Ellen never overcame the bullying? Imagine a world where everyone lived their passion. We'd be better people, we'd be better partners, we'd be better parents. See, I've never seen a strong person with an easy past. We all have a passion, we all have a genius inside us. We have that potential. I know that we've all been in that position, feeling confused and seriously lacking mission, but then I ask myself, at the end of my life, what will I regret? And the answer is clear. The pain of regret far outweighs the pain of risk. So next time you're going through challenges, just remember this. A winner is just a loser who tried one more time. All you need is one person to say yes. One moment can change everything. There are decades when nothing happens and there are days where decades happen. A year from now, you will have wished you started today. Isn't that awesome? Those are some powerful words and some powerful things to think about. One of my favorite things that he says in that video is, I've never seen a strong person with an easy past. Do you agree with that? Look at the strongest people in your life. Look at your own life. The strongest people are the ones that have had the most difficult pasts. That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Those people with the easy past... Those are the people that freak the fuck out when something starts to happen to them. And you might look at those people and be like, dude, chill the fuck out. I've been through way worse. I have this coworker that doesn't have kids. He's in his early 30s. He's probably 33, 34. And he complains so much about the obstacles in his life. But when he talks about the obstacles in his life, they're nowhere near the obstacles that I've gone through. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to say that and put him down and say, my life is harder. But I look at him, he went through a divorce a little while ago. And his divorce cost him like $300 because it was a mutual divorce. They didn't have lawyers. They had no kid to deal with. They had no custody battle. They had a prenuptial agreement that already divided up uh, retirements and the house and all that other stuff, all their assets. Their divorce was probably one of the easiest divorces I've ever seen. And divorce is never easy, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that this guy didn't go through something difficult and something traumatic because divorce is always difficult. It's always traumatic. It's always painful. It's always one of the most terrible experiences that a human being can go through, even if it's mutual, even if it's your decision. But when you compare his 
300 $400 divorce that they filed papers for and just washed their hands of it and moved the fuck on, that's nothing like the divorce that I went through, which included an 18-month-long custody battle. Someone that I'm still attached to for the rest of my life because we share a kid. Just because we're divorced and not married and we don't live under the same roof and I don't have to see her every day, I don't have to talk to her every day, we still share a kid. There's no getting away from that woman. There's nothing that I can do to fix that. Whereas this guy is actually in a position where he can move on. So when I compare my situation to his, and like I said, I'm not trying to minimize his situation, but all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he's faced with this trauma that he had to go through, and he freaked the fuck out. And in my head, all I can think is, dude, you don't even know what a difficult divorce looks like. And I don't either, because I guarantee that there's someone out there with a more complex or or more devastating divorce situation that I went through. Maybe their kids were older. Maybe they were wealthier. Maybe they were even more hostile. I spent, and I'm still in and out of court, but to date, over the last three years, I've personally spent north of $75,000 and I'm in debt for probably the rest of my life from that custody battle and future issues that I have to go back to court with that I have to keep an attorney on retainer for because I have a child. That means the world to me. And if I didn't, if there was no child, I would have just given her everything. Whatever she wanted, she can have it. And I just would have moved on. And that would have been it. But that's not the situation I'm in because I can't just walk away from my kid and I won't. So I'll spend whatever it takes and I'll do whatever it takes to, I don't want to use the term win because it shouldn't be a contest or a game, but that's what it turns into. So I'll do whatever I can. I'll spend whatever I have to, to make sure that I don't lose my child because that's the most important thing to me. So anyways, we're at about 45, 40, well, we're, we're coming up uh, on how long I wanted to talk about this stuff today, 45 minutes. So uh, I'm going to pull the pin on this today. Uh, one thing that I want you to do is I want you to try to focus on those two things that we talked about today. Don't be somebody else's second best ever. Don't ever be somebody else's second best. If they can't make plans with you, then they aren't that interested. Don't be someone's second best. Don't bow down to them just because you really want them. It's not worth the time and the headache associated with trying to beg someone and trying to convince someone that you're worthy of their time. Move on. It's their loss. And then number two, like Jay Shetty says, Eckhart Tolle, we talked about, you need to live in the present moment because... The past leads to feelings of regret, and the future leads to feelings of anxiety. And like I said, there is no guarantee in the future. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. So don't plan for 10 years from now. You can have goals, but you need to focus on the present moment. I want you to re-listen to that 
amazing five-minute video that I played for you from Jay Shetty. That guy is a fucking genius. Listen to that over and over and over again over the next week or two, or however long you need to. I need you to get that in your head that you need to live in the present moment. I cannot emphasize that enough, and I can't even say it as good as Jay Shetty says. Like I said, that is one of my favorite videos that I've ever listened to. Keep that close. Print the words out. Print the words out and hang it above your bed so you read those words every night. Do something so that you never forget to live in the present moment. You don't want to wake up one day when you're 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or hopefully 100 and feel like you never did anything in life that you wanted to do. I took this next week off work because I'm doing something that I wanted to do. I'm taking a motorcycle trip with a couple of my close friends. Well, that's not true. One of my friends and then a bunch of his friends. So there's about six of us that are going to ride motorcycles from here in Las Vegas. We're going up to San Francisco. I love San Francisco. I love the Bay Area. If you've never been there, you you need to add that to your bucket list. Then we're going to ride our bikes from San Francisco down the Pacific Coast Highway, down the California coast, all the way down to LA. Some of the most beautiful, amazing views you can ever imagine along that highway. I've never, I've never done this before. I've never seen some of those views in person. I've just seen photographs, and it is fucking gorgeous from what I can see. You need to find something in life that is important to you, and you need to do it. You don't need to plan it for 10 years from now because 10 years is no guarantee. Do it now. Do it now. Find a way to bring your future hopes and dreams into the present moment and do it. Don't wake up one day wishing you had. Don't wake up one day wishing you had done something that you never got to. Figure it out and make it happen now because now is the only guarantee. So I'm hoping I'll be back in a week. That's my goal. That's the plan. I want Third Degree Mind to be a weekly podcast. I'm not going to take another month off. Come hell or high water, we'll be back with you in a week or shortly thereafter. But I, I definitely, definitely want to make it weekly. In the meantime, if you need anything, you can, you can always reach out to me on Facebook. The Facebook page is Third Degree Mind. Third Degree Mind Podcast. You could send an email, borderline750 at gmail.com. I'll answer any email. And I believe that is I believe that is it. If you're not subscribed in Apple iTunes, go ahead and subscribe there or subscribe to us on Podbean. Subscribe to us anywhere else that you find it. I'm trying to get us added into Spotify. I'm working on that now. Spotify is a little bit harder to get a podcast added into, but we're working on that now. Otherwise, in the meantime, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out, and I will talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Wake up to a cloudy day, dark rolls in and it starts to rain.